my wonderful friends. Welcome to Faith FM Drive Time. Welcome to Big Q&A. This is the show where we respond to difficult questions concerning God and faith, contemporary religion and the Bible. This is the show where we look at world religious trends in the light of Bible prophecy. I'm Pastor Gary, minister to the Brighton Seventh-day Adventist Church in the beautiful city of Adelaide. Really wonderful to be able to share with you once again. This week we're looking at conspiracy theories. On Monday, we commence by asking, is it possible to identify truth in the world in which we're living? Yesterday, we looked at conspiracy theories that proved to be genuine. Today, we ask, how do we identify deceptive conspiracy theories? Today, our co-host is uh, Pastor David Butcher. David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. Welcome to you, David. Good afternoon, Gary. Good to be here. It is wonderful to have you back with us again. Tell me, how are you celebrating spring at the present time? Uh, well, yesterday I was out cycling and uh, didn't realise it was spring, and um, I got dive-bombed by a bird twice. Well, yeah, that's a good way to be celebrating. Well, down linear park track at all? No, it was. Uh, it's called North East Road in Adelaide. It's probably not a main road by other state standards, but it's a large road and the same bird twice, but it was fairly tame, I think. Yeah, I've got to admit, it's that part of the world where I... I've been dive-bombed by probably the same bird, actually. I know this morning I was actually out uh, doing my my power walk. It was fantastic. I was out at about 6 o'clock in the morning, uh, walked through till about 7 o'clock in the morning to see the sun actually coming up over the horizon. It was a really dry night um, with the light, the bright. Everything was happy. It was wonderful. It would have been beautiful. And then the bird came. Uh, no, I didn't have a bird oh, this okay, morning. Okay. Actually, it was, it was very good. Uh, it was really good. Uh, David, uh, tell me. Today we're going to be talking about deceptive conspiracy theories. But before we move to that chat, I want to talk to you about something that actually appeared on the uh, Religion News Service uh, just yesterday or the day before. The article's entitled Q Anon, the alternative religion that's coming to your church. Now, uh, this is what, uh, what this article said. It's a rough time to be a pastor an election year, a national racial un- unrest, a global pandemic, each challenge the usual methods of ministry. But there's another challenge, the article went on to say, that pastors I spoke with say is on the rise in their flocks. It's taking on the power of a new religion that's dividing churches and hurting Christian witness. Mark Flugert, senior pastor of Round Grove Baptist Church in Miller, Missouri, uh, recently sat down to count the conspiracy theories that people in his church are sharing on Facebook. The list was long. Uh, it included uh, claims that 5G radio waves were used for mind control, that George Floyd's murder was a hoax, that Bill Gates is related to the devil, that masks uh, can kill you, that germ theory isn't real, and that there might be something to Pizzagate. After all, I actually haven't even picked up on that particular one. <laughs> you don't just see it once, said Flugert. It's there over and over again. You'll see it five or ten times. It's escalating for sure. Conspiracy theories, grand narratives that seek to prove that powerful actors are secretly controlling events and institutions for evil purposes are nothing new in the U.S., 
Thorngate attributes the phenomena in part to the death of expertise, a distrust of authority figures that leads some Americans and, of course, those in Australia as well to undervalue long-established measures of competency and wisdom. Among some church members, he said, the attitude is, I'm going to use church for the things I like, ignore it for the things I don't, and find my own truth. Uh, tell me, David, what do you think about that? Is that a challenge for the times in which we're living? It's an extremely huge challenge, Gary, because we are living in a time uh, when, when we have pandemics. It's natural to get a whole lot of conspiracy theories. It's sad, though, to see so much of it happening, as this article says, from within Christianity. And I think one of the causes and the attributes of this is almost a buffet-style Christianity. Okay. I'll pick and choose what um, what I find attractive. Mm. This is something we actually dealt with. I think um, Pastor Joseph on Monday, Monday. dealt with uh, with Nick talked about this particular uh, issue of uh, what we call pluralism because a pluralism teaches that there are many paths to one heaven. You can pick a bit from here, a bit a bit from there, and hey, you know, you this, create your own. You, you create your, and it's entirely satisfactory. Do you think that? It is satisfactory? No, it's, it's highly dangerous because, uh, I mean, I can, if I'm going to build a car or a house, I could just go in and pick and choose the elements of that building or what parts of the, the engine I want to include. But unless I have, um, uh, unless I've followed some basic guideline or, 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 or map or something like that, I'm going to be instruction man. I'm going to be in trouble, correct? Yeah. So it's not about choosing what I want. It's about what is right and what works. In other words, truth does actually exist according to what the, the scriptures teach. Absolutely. So if we don't have a compass, if we don't have an absolute guide, then we'll just bobble about in the ocean like a, a boat without a rudder or without an engine. Yeah, yeah. This article goes on to say, For years in the 1980s and 90s, U.S. evangelicals, above nearly every other group, warned what would happen when people abandon uh, absolute truth uh, which they located in the Bible, saying the idea of relative truth would lead to people believing whatever confirms their own inward hunches. Do you think that's valid? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. It's really impacting the church and, um, and young people especially. And, and that I think is a very valid point because the article actually goes on to say, and actually the the next couple of paragraphs says this. Jared Stacey said that the spread of conspiracy theories in his church is particularly affecting young members. The college and young adult pastor of Spotswood Baptist Church in Virginia, uh, Stacey said some older members are sharing Facebook content that links the coronavirus to Jeffrey Epstein and secret pedophile rings. Mm. He says he and other pastors' jobs is to teach that conspiracy theories are not where Christians should find their basis for reality. Does this make sense? It does, and it's sad. I mean, every I guess every um, every age demographic grows up with a different set of um, a system that they, they grow up with. But yeah. unfortunately... We're dealing with an age that has everything at their fingertips, will choose what they want, and there's a lack of trust in authority, as we've said, in biblical authority. And so they are so much more open mm. 
mm. to various conspiracies. I think that word mistrust that you used is actually very powerful because uh, the, uh, the article, just this, the last paragraph here, um, others are concerned that theories will become grounds mistrust. Young people are exiting the church because they see their parents and mentors and pastors and Sunday school teachers spreading things that even at a young age they can see through, Mm. said Jeb Barr, the senior pastor for the First Baptist Church in Waco, Texas. He said conspiracy theories are extremely widespread and getting worse amongst his online church networks. You know, currently we've basically being pushed online because of this uh, pandemic, pandemic that's occurring at the present time. Now, of course, online, there's actually a lot of a good material online, but there's, there's far more that is positively dangerous. So we need filters. We need to be discerning. And again, I keep coming back. Unless there is something that is, is absolute truth. Yeah. Then we we bob around and and we get lost. Yeah. I I like I like the way you describe the scriptures there. A filter. You know, mm. if we're able to look at beliefs and practices through the filter of the Bible, what we have is a supernaturally revealed source that is able to challenge our thinking and allow us to assess what is actually going on. And it comes down to, doesn't it, Gary? We've talked about this at times previously. We need to view the Bible as not just a dusty book that's thousands of years old, but it's the living Word of God that has complete relevance for every age. Yeah, yeah. That 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 is so so important what you've actually said there David. Look, let's come to some music. This is Heritage and No More Night. Uh, please enjoy. See all, all the nations 
Jesus will bring into your heart? What about your friends, family, or workmates? Faith FM's free offer for you today is a life-changing book called The Great Controversy, filled with stories of hope and encouragement that are guaranteed to draw you closer to Jesus. To receive your free copy of The Great Controversy, go to faithfm.com.au or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. That is an absolutely fantastic uh, book, The Great Controversy. If you've never read that, uh, that book, it's, uh, it's a larger book. Uh, but can I, can I challenge you to please request that book? David, have you ever um, read A Great Controversy? I have. I just love how it ties history in right from the beginning and right to the very end. We get this whole panoramic view. Yeah. It actually takes the, uh, the picture of the, um, uh, 
the the period soon after the death of the apostles and flows right through to the day and the age in which we're living today. And it looks at the way the Holy Spirit has worked in the life of the Christian church uh, f- through the centuries. Absolutely. And the remarkable thing was this is not uh, a new release. Yeah. This is something that's been around for quite some time, but it's proving ever more relevant. It really is. And look, folks, if you'd like to have your own copy, just a text. You can text your uh, uh, your name, your address, your phone number to 0438 That's 0438 That's your name, your address, and your telephone number, and we'll make sure that you get a copy of this book in your hands in the next few days. I love that particular book. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time, big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is Pastor David Butcher. David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. And today we're asking, how do we identify deceptive conspiracy theories? Does the Bible help us out at all? David, are there any principles that from the scriptures that might help us identify what is a deceptive conspiracy theory? Yeah, thank you, Gary. And and I guess we would expect to find answers in the Bible because as uh, you went through last night, we have this great picture of a conspiracy right from the beginning, this yeah. in heaven with Lucifer and then in the Garden of Eden, etc., etc. So this is, this is real, it's spiritual, it's happening, and it's in our world today, and it's going to continue through to the end of time. I guess the first point, Gary, that um, I think is worthy of consideration amongst many is that we should never get ahead of what God wishes to reveal to us. If we try and um, run before God, if a child is trying to, uh, you know, they're just learning to ride a bike and they're trying to proceed well beyond their parent, Mm -hmm. there's a level of danger. Mm -hmm. So we shouldn't step where God has not led us to. We shouldn't go ahead of God. In other words, there's been enough revealed in the Bible to actually take us safely home We actually don't need to invent, I suppose, uh, fables. And as I think of the the Internet, you know, there is certainly some conspiracy theories that have proved to be true. But for every one that's proved to be true, there's probably another 50. Countless others. Countless others that really are nonsense. And so it's it's uh, it's. Raking through all those ones that are false to find the one that is true and, and look at the time that's lost in that yeah, process. And we'll yeah. talk, talk about that. So yeah, the first one is this. We should never get ahead of what God wishes and wants to reveal to us. We don't need to know everything. Yeah. And I guess a key verse here, Gary, is Genesis chapter 40 and verse 8. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is the story of Joseph, uh, in the prison. And there is a baker and a butler there that have dreams, and they come to Joseph. And uh, Joseph, because of God, is able to interpret them. And this verse says, uh, the baker and the butler um, says, And they said to him, they said to Joseph, We each have had a dream, and there is no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God. Tell them to me, please. Mm. So we need to realize that, God will reveal what God chooses to reveal. Yeah. And and we saw the same picture in the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, chapter 2. Uh, Daniel um, is there to interpret a vision that the king Nebuchadnezzar has of this image, this statue. Mm. And uh, in the night, Daniel is 
given the um, explanation of this, he is told what the vision is and given the explanation. Mm. And when he comes before the king the next morning, uh, people's lives are at risk. When he comes before the king to tell the king what he dreamt and what it meant, he says we, he talks about God as the one of having given the explanation. So we shouldn't proceed before God. And in Daniel chapter 2, when this king has this perplexing, troubling dream and he begins to execute his, uh, his wise men, his counselors, Daniel asks for time, and where does he turn? He turns to God on his knees in prayer, and he asks God for the answer. Instead of the internet. I think that what you've put your finger on there is so important for the day and the age in which we are living today. It's when we're able to turn to God, and you know, the answer may not come. Straight away. And that is a really good point. And um, what I'm going to jump to there, Gary, the answer may not come straight away. The same book of Daniel, uh, chapter 8. Daniel has this troubling vision of all of these beasts representing nations and powers that are going to be opposing God's people. And he is troubled. Daniel, chapter 8, he sees God's people um, in perplexity. And then in verse 26, there's been discussions with angel Gabriel, and Daniel is told this, and the vision, verse 26 of chapter 8, and the vision of the evenings and mornings which was told is true. Therefore, seal up the vision, for it refers to many days in the future. And verse 27 says, And I, Daniel, fainted and was sick for days afterward. I arose and went about the king's business. I was astonished by the vision, but no one understood it. Wow. In other words, Daniel is told in this vision that he receives uh, to this, this is referring to sometime future. You don't need to know. Don't go ahead of God. I, I don't want you to know about that just yet. Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. You know, in fact, I, as I recall, even in the book of uh, Revelation, we get the, the seven thunders, don't we? You know, and this, tell us about the seven thunders. Well, I can't tell you, Gary, because I don't understand it. But let me tell you what I do know. John, John sees, I put you on the spot there, didn't I? John is in vision and he's given this vision of, of, of Christ, the revelation of Jesus Christ. And John is writing down what he sees. And that would have been a horrible job trying to, well, it would have been amazing, but trying to put into words what he saw. And, um, Revelation 10 verse 4. Now, when the seven thunders uttered their voices, I was about to write, But I heard a voice from heaven saying to me, seal up the things which the seven thunders uttered and do not write them. So what we have here is God um, revealing something to the prophet John, but then commanding him to not write up. Not write it. What what was there? Because God didn't want to reveal that particular information. So we don't need to know anything. All things, or all things at this particular time. And I think that this gives us an important principle, doesn't it? Because what it's saying to me is go as far as the scriptures go, but don't go further. Absolutely. And I I guess another text there that we could look at that just highlight what you've said is John chapter 14 and verse 29. Uh, Jesus is talking about the the coming of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Holy Spirit. Mm And he says, John fourteen twenty nine. and now I have told you before it comes to pass that when it does come to pass, you may believe. 
Okay, so prophecy in the scriptures is actually given for a particular reason. And that reason isn't so that we can, according to Christ, so that we can know the future, but rather when things come to pass, we can turn and we can say, hey, this is exactly what Christ was speaking about when he spoke of these things. So prophecy fulfilled gives us confidence in prophecy that is yet to be fulfilled. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, Daniel there in Daniel chapter 2, when the king has this terrible dream, no one understands it or knows what it is. He, he turns on his knees with his friends in prayer. We are living in an age of the sensational. Yeah. And the sensational creates speculation. And so why would someone want to get on their knees? Why would someone want to turn to a book? the Bible to find the answers when we can search the internet. Something We want something immediate at hand. Yeah, it, it's certainly a far more, um, uh, what would we call it, it's far more exciting to be able to give something grandiose than to say, hey, I'm praying about that thing, isn't it? And so often when it comes to conspiracy theories, the people that promulgate, pr- promulgate them are really trying to elevate themselves. Mm. They mm. want to be... They want to be seen to be in the know. Another really beautiful text um, from Jesus, Acts chapter 1, verses 4 to 7. Um, 40 days after, uh, after the Passover, Jesus meets his disciples in Acts chapter 1, and he tells them, you know, you need to wait in Jerusalem till you receive the promise of the Father, the gift of the Holy Spirit. And uh, it's going to come not many days from now. now that's a wonderful promise. Mm. Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit is going to come and fall upon you mm. not many days from now. Mm. And instead of saying that's really wonderful, we long for that, dear Jesus, they actually say this. And I, I love this, how they just get so confused, because we do as well. Therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? Still in their old theology, aren't they're, they're they? <laughs> after, they're after the latest political grab and the religious grab. Yeah. Uh, and he said to them, listen to this, it is not for you to know times or seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. In other words, here Christ is saying again, hey, there are some things that do not matter. Because they're not leading us, they're, they're not essential for the plan of salvation. You know, I'm so conscious, David, that uh, within within the scriptures there are some grand, big themes that I, I love digging into. And, you know, the grand, what I call the big themes, they become so evident when you actually study the scriptures because they link together in a powerful way. But, you know, sometimes I'm so conscious that there is a lot, there's a lot of... Uh, preaching about what I would call um, things which really are associated with the grand themes but really are not as closely connected to the scriptures as we'd like. Yeah, they're they're, um, incredible side points. I mean, we could be looking at a masterpiece painting by one of the great artists in history and I could get caught up, or I could say you could, (laughs) looking at the frame without seeing the picture. Yeah. Without seeing the painting. It's so important in studying the scriptures, isn't it, that we actually see the, the forest and we don't get bogged down on one of the little trees. You know, so many people that I've spoken to, many people I've studied with have come to me and they've said, ah, oh, pastor, what about? And they hit, they hit us with a question that is, that is really a, a tree. And yes, it, you know, we can certainly dig into that, but hey, I want us to look at the big picture. I want us to look at the grand narrative. I want us to be able to say, what is scripture actually saying? What's the 
picture that's actually being painted here. And so often with these conspiracy type theories, people are looking for something new, the people that promulgate them, yeah. something new that they can share, yeah. um, something to grab people's attention. Mm. And they're focusing on the minutia. Mm. Uh, and it could be true. But as you say, most of the time they're not. Looking at minutia, creating, blowing that up into something large, and what happens? Satan is really happy because Jesus is put into the background instead of the foreground. Yeah, yeah. No, that's a good point. But, David, come back to the Scriptures again. What, else, what other ways have we got of being able to identify you know, the, the true from that which is blatantly false? Yeah, so I think another thing is that conspiracy theories distract us from Jesus. And I've noticed in my own ministry uh, when I've been working with people, studying the scriptures with them, sometimes they'll get hold of um, uh, something on the internet, uh, some latest bit of information, which is minutia. And that will blow up quite large. I guess we've talked about this. So being distracted from Jesus. And if, if, if a conspiracy theory deepens your walk with Jesus, if it is leading you to Jesus, to the cross and to salvation and all of those things, then keep following it. But I want to um, suggest, Gary, quite strongly that conspiracy theories don't draw us closer to Jesus. That's certainly true for the vast majority of conspiracy theories that I have uh, witnessed, certainly in my life. So we'll put a caveat on that to a point. There is this whole, as you would have dealt with yesterday, a grand conspiracy theory, yeah. the battle between good and evil, between Jesus and Satan. So that is the case. But Satan throws up these other meaningless ones to distract us from Jesus, to deceive us. But once again, what you're doing is you're pushing us back to the Word of God. And this is the thing that I'm so conscious that in the world which we're living today, our greatest need is actually to come back to the Word of God. What is the Word of God actually saying? And as you say that, Gary, I'm drawn to, to Matthew chapter 4. Mm. After Jesus' baptism, he's, he's driven into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit where he's tempted yeah. by the evil one for 40 days and 40 nights. And when Jesus is tempted... He doesn't answer with speculation. Yeah, yeah. He answers with fact from the word of God. It is written. Yeah, yeah. That which has been established is that which he is prepared to share he, he, rather than the, the speculative uh, ideas. Yeah, I'd love you to hit replay there. That which has been established is that which he was willing to share. Mm, mm. That, was, that, was, that was a good statement, wasn't it? It was quite <laughs> profound, Gary, quite <laughs> profound. Who actually said that? <laughs> So that, that is the first point. Are we being distracted? Well, not the first, but are we being drawn closer to Christ mm. or are we being distracted? And I've seen people's spirituality shipwrecked, as I'm sure you have, yeah. by being getting caught up in these things. And it's not long before their whole spiritual focus is around the next conspiracy, one yeah. after yeah. another. Yeah, yeah. It, it, It's actually a very addictive um, um, process to get involved in. Once you start looking at conspiracy theories, one actually leads to another, and there may be an element of truth in them, but you know, I'm so conscious that I don't think that that's where the scriptures actually want us to put our focus. And so when we get caught up in a conspiracy theory, as you say, they're addictive, that one to another, you begin to not be able to discern, discern truth from error, 
and you are drawn to the sensational conspiracy and trying to then show someone from the word of God what's truth mm. is actually lost. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But let's keep going, David. What's, uh, what else have you got there? Yeah, look, I think another key point is conspiracy theories generate a, spear, a spirit of fear and anxiety. So you have this spirit of fear and anxiety that's generated. And a beautiful Old Testament uh, story where this occurred, and I'm sure you'll share with us on this, but it's Isaiah 8 verses 11 to 13. Isaiah chapter 8, verses 11 to 13. And this story goes like this. The Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does. He said, don't call everything a conspiracy like they do and don't live in dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. That how powerful is that particular passage? Uh, you know that um, uh, that particular passage uh, occurs at a time when Isaiah is prophesying to Ahaz, the king of Judah. The kingdoms of Syria and Israel had formed into an alliance together to destroy Judah. Ahaz was so afraid of the conspiracy formed against him that he turned to the nation of Assyria to ask their king Tiglath-Pileser for help. God was angry with Ahaz because he allowed himself to become afraid and instead of trusting in God, he turned to man for help. Mm. That, that passage in Isaiah, just read it for us again, uh, can, you, can you, David? Because I think that it's, it really says something to us today. It tells a whole story, a picture, it does, doesn't it? It does. The Lord has given me a strong warning not to think like everyone else does, he said. Don't call everything a conspiracy like they do, and don't live in dread of what frightens them. Make the Lord of heaven's armies holy in your life. He is the one you should fear. He is the one who should make you tremble. And that's from Isaiah 8, 11 to 13. Absolutely. And there's some key things in that, isn't there? there fear. Is, there is. There is. So don't call everything a conspiracy yeah. like they yeah, do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, David, the way we finish each of these programs, uh, to me, is a passage from uh, uh, John chapter 14, that's verse, uh, verse 27, and, and this is uh, what Christ says, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart, and the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives, so don't be troubled or afraid. You know, when the Holy Spirit is, is present, what he does is he brings certain gifts, but one of those gifts is actually the gift of peace to the believer. I don't need to be troubled by everything that's actually happening in this world. And so conspiracy theories don't bring peace. They bring panic. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's so important to realize, isn't it? And when I reflect on the Gospels and Jesus, uh, when he often encountered his disciples or even angels, there was this situation of fear. When Jesus walks on water, yeah. they thought he was a ghost. Mm-hmm. When angels came to people, they were scared. And, and the, one, the two words that often come in these stories are fear not. The first words, fear not. God is, is not a God of fear. And I guess Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 7 tells us that. For God has not given us a spirit of fear but of power and of love and And interestingly a sound mind sound mind we're actually a sound mind of course is a mind that is able to discern the good from the evil it's able to discern nonsense when it's actually presented on the internet and you know because it's on a a religious channel doesn't actually mean that it's a pure and good biblical theology 
Absolutely, because all we have to do is read the scriptures cover to cover and we'll find all sorts of religious deceptions. Yeah, yeah. So here in this story of, of um, Isaiah 8, 11 to 13, we have some interesting things, some interesting theories. Firstly, uh, the conspiracy in this story uh, was not a theory. It was real. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, I mean, we can say, hey, look, you know, maybe we should just listen to real. But here, God is actually rebuking the Israelites for listening to a conspiracy theory, even though the theory itself was actually true. Yes, because what it actually caused was a distraction and fear. And so instead of them turning to God for help, they actually turned to the king of Assyria. Yeah, no, that's that, that's good. And so one of the traps is we might think a conspiracy theory is false. It might actually be real, mm. but we can still be to, we can still head down the wrong path by getting caught up in that and not being drawn to Christ. You know, this is a in other words, what we're saying here is where is my concentration? You know, I uh, I've got a sermon that I preach from time to time. It's actually a, a sermon that talks about Christ walking on stormy water. And the thing that really stands out to me is that what we have here is the story of Christ doesn't actually still the water, but rather what he does is he walks on stormy water. He doesn't. Peter starts to sink, but the moment he starts to sink, it's because he's actually taken his eyes off Jesus Christ. Is it possible by looking at storms, we can actually be taking our eyes off Jesus Christ? Because what should be our focus? It should be Jesus. Jesus. And storms, though, are pretty exciting, right? Yeah. To the next, what's the, you know, we live in a, a 24-7 news cycle. Yeah. There's always a sensational story, yeah. and we get so um, immune to a murder here, a murder there, because we're so focused on five here, five there, a large shooting, etc. Yeah, well, one is not even reported anymore. No, so it has to be sensational to grab us. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, keep going, David. What, what else have we got here? So I think some other things are that conspiracy theories generate a spirit of distrust. And um, John F. Kennedy, he uh, had an incredible quote. I don't know if you'd like me to share that. Yeah, 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 yeah. please do. He once said this, Now we are face to face once again with a period of heightened peril. The risks are great, the burdens heavy, the problems incapable of swift or lasting solution, and under the strains and frustrations imposed by constant tension and harassment, the discordant voices of extremism are heard once again in the land. Men who are unwilling to face up to the danger from without are convinced that the real danger comes from within. They look suspiciously at their neighbours and their leaders. They call for a man on horseback because they do not trust the people. They find treason in our finest churches, in our highest court, and even in the treatment of our water. They equate the Democratic Party with the welfare state, the welfare state with socialism, and socialism with communism. So essentially, Kennedy is saying, and eloquently as he pointed out, that those who focus on conspiracy theories eventually become distrustful of everything and everyone. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a powerful little quote that comes from, uh, he was a master orator, uh, John F. Kennedy, and to actually hear those words, he summed up uh, the, the issues that we're facing so well there. And look, it reminds me back of the fall in heaven. Lucifer had this pride within his heart, as was touched on last night, 
He had this pride within his heart, selfishness grew, sin blossomed, and he began to deceive. Revelation 12 tells us that, uh, verses 7 to 9, that uh, this dragon that was put out of heaven managed to draw a third of the angels with him. Mm. Why? Through distrust. Yeah. Distrust and deception. That's what he did with Adam and Eve in the garden at the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that's why, again, it's so important to have Jesus at the center of all that we believe, but based on the solid foundation of the Word of God. Because the Word of God is quick and powerful, it's sharper than any two edged sword, it's a solid rock on which we can actually establish our belief structure. But if you can damage, if you can create distrust, then the truth is damaged and people won't be open to the listening. And the scriptures themselves are at that point held up to distrust. Look, let's come to some music because I'm conscious our time is starting to move away from us. I love, we played this yesterday, but it so fits the theme of this week. Rambos, sheltered in the arms of God.
shall harm me. Life gets harder and the world gets worse. Jesus has the answers. Do you need the hope that Jesus will bring into your heart? What about your friends, family, or workmates? Faith FM's free offer for you today is a life-changing book called The Great Controversy, filled with stories of hope and encouragement that are guaranteed to draw you closer to Jesus. To receive your free copy of The Great Controversy, go to faithfm.com.au or call us on 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. Welcome back. You're listening to Faith FM Drive Time. Big Q&A with Pastor Gary. Our co-host today is David Butcher. David's the president of the Seventh-day Adventist Church in South Australia. And this week we're talking deception, deceptive conspiracy theories. And we're asking today, how do we identify deceptive conspiracy theories? David, share with us some more. Are there any more hints that you've got on, uh, on this whole subject? Yeah, look, uh, God has called us to be wise and not indulge in useless speculation because it's damaging, absolutely damaging. In Matthew chapter 10, Jesus says, Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So I guess the thought is this. If Christ has called us to be both wise and innocent, then why do we witness so many fellow Christians sharing conspiratorial, unproven and unverified gossip? Gossip is damaging. Uh, Sharing these sorts of conspiracy theories as truth breaks Christ's call to be as wise as serpents. And some of these conspiracy theories on Conscious David may even concern churches because churches have certainly made mistakes haven't they i mean to me we have we are living in a very human human world with um sometimes unsanctified people within churches um but uh uh you know i'm conscious of the conspiracy theories that float around concerning churches and there are many absolutely many uh it's interesting paul speaking to a young minister writing to a young minister Mm. timothy in first timothy one verses three to six six he says this As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. So Paul is saying, make sure that uh, when you train people up, Timothy, that they teach the truth. He says, nor give heed to fables and endless genealogies which cause disputes rather than godly edification which is in faith. Now, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from a sincere faith. So he's really saying um, some people have strayed away from the faith by idle talk. Don't get caught up in the side issues. Don't get caught up in fables and useless genealogies. Don't put your energy into that. Put it into Jesus Christ because you don't want to lead people astray. You don't want them lost or distracted. Mm, mm, Yeah. No, a good point that uh, that you're making there, David. Um, keep going. Yeah, James chapter 3. Uh, I love the analogies that Jesus' brother uses here. James 3 verses 5 to 10. Uh, James is really talking about the damage that can come from our mouth, from our tongue. Uh, and he says this in James 3, 5 to 10. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. The tongue is so set amongst our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature and is set on fire by hell. 
For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. So he said every animal's been tamed by humanity. But verse 8, but no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. And then listen to this. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. And he ends this by saying, my brethren, my brethren, these things ought not to be. Yeah, yeah. And, and when you think of what James is actually saying, James is one of those books that I really appreciate because what it does is it gives so much practical Christianity in it. It challenges the way that we actually do business in the world in which we're living today. And as Christians in a world of speculation, sensationalism, conspiracy theories, how important is it to ensure that our tongues are tamed? Yeah. And that yeah. can only happen with us focusing on Jesus uh, and submitting to the Holy Spirit and, and to Jesus and allowing him to have control over our lives. So in other words, once again, we come back again to the word of God. There is uh, that which is revealed in the word of God is safe and applicable for us to incorporate into our lives. But to go beyond that can actually be positively dangerous. Can be dangerous because what it does do is um, if non-Christians see professed Christians advocating and getting caught up in theories that are, that are, can't be proven, conspiracy yeah, yeah, theories, yeah. They see us gossiping. They call it slander, all sorts of things. What picture does that then give them of the church? I've actually uh, been aware of a number of cases where that's occurred and uh, and the, the non-Christian people have actually come to the point of saying, hey, these Christians are nutcases because uh, they're believing any uh, unsubstantiated rumour that happens to float across the internet. Absolutely. And, and in Proverbs... Uh, Solomon in chapter 14, verse 15, he says this, very profound, as we would expect from the wisest man. The simple believes every word, but the prudent considers well his steps. Yeah, the simpleton believes every anything, word, anything that comes over the internet, but the wise man, he is the one who considers well that which he believes. Absolutely. Yeah, no. So, Gary, we really need to be like the Bereans. Mm. You know, Paul um, uh, would preach there, Paul and Silas, and um, uh, the people would come and they would listen, but they would then go home and verify from the word of God that what was preached was actually to the word and to the testimony, that it was from the word of God. That's good, Dave. Look, just one thing. I'm conscious that we are starting to run out of time today, so I've just got one other question I'd like to ask if we, if we can. Um, do you think the uncertain state of our world is encouraging people to really grasp for any possible explanation? Now, I, I, I'm conscious that even, uh, you know, Christian people, I mean, uh, the number of people who are prepared to go into hoarding as a result of some conspiracy theory, you know, you've got entire garages stacked full of baked beans uh, in Australia. <laughs> in Australia. <That's> true. <laughs> toilet paper. Toilet paper. Whatever it is, you know, there is this, as a result of some conspiracy theory, people are prepared to put far more into their pantry than what they could possibly use. And what that highlights, uh, a shed full of baked beans or toilet paper, shows the power of a conspiracy theory. Yeah. And so people 
will buy into things pretty quick when they see everyone else going down that same track. And yet we need to stay fixed and focused on the Word of God. So I think, Gary, the climate in which we live in has created, and we can praise God that through something shocking like what we're living in and the conspiracy theories that exist, people are genuinely searching for something that has a solid base, for something that has hope, for something which dispels fear, and for something which gives peace. No, that's a lovely way of putting it all together. You know, I've actually said to a number of people who I who have, I suppose, hoarded more than they've, they've required, I've said, hey, look, you know, genuine Christians, uh, if a person is in need and you have got a good supply of food and you're a genuine Christian, what are you going to do? You're going to share that which you have hoarded. If I am caring just for myself, I have to ex- I have to question whether my own Christianity is actually the biblical form of Christianity or whether it is some uh, sort of uh, cloud-based uh, uh, Christianity. We're putting our faith in what we've been able to store up for ourselves because of the theory, the conspiracy theory, yeah. rather than trusting in Jesus Christ. You know, my wife um, sent out a text message a couple of weeks ago um, Oh, she, no, she put it on Facebook, actually, mm. and that if anyone needed anything uh, in our street, basically, if people needed anything, um, to basically let us know. And if we could help, we could help. And a neighbor that lives opposite us, uh, basically, uh, who is on Facebook and saw my wife's message, she said, wow, she said, you're lovely people. Lovely people. And and that's not to big note anything, but I guess what I'm saying is that a Christian's response should be should stand out even more in the world we live in currently. Not because of the fear that they're generating, but because they have an appropriate response to that which the scriptures actually reveal. And it stands out in stark contrast to people hoarding and stocking things up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Dave, what a beautiful picture the scriptures actually paint Mm. uh, of our God, of our trust in God, of our God who is able to lead us. David, I'm just wondering, we do need to finish. I'm just wondering, how would you feel about praying for our our folk out there and uh, and certainly asking that the Lord will give wisdom and discernment uh, to understand that which the scriptures are saying as opposed to that which uh, the... The World Wide Web uh, constantly pushes on. Absolutely. Let's, let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, we just want to thank you that your word is sure. That, Father, we're all on a journey. There is so much that none of us understand everything fully. And yet you have given us enough information that everyone can choose to be saved by being in a relationship with you. Father, in a world of uncertainty, in a world of confusion, in a world of panic, in a world where the things we have often put our trust in have begun to crumble, we realize we can't put certainty in them. May we place our certainty in Jesus. May we focus on him. May we put our trust in him so that you can give us peace in a world that doesn't experience peace. Give us hope, Lord, in a world that is experiencing hopelessness. May we trust in Jesus. May we invite him into our lives through the Holy Spirit is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, folks, it does look like our time's up for today. Thank you so much for joining Pastor Gary and Pastor David Butcher on Drive Time Big Q&A. 
Please join us tomorrow when Fabiano and Helen Gray will be looking at the need to keep the scriptures as the centre of belief and practice. Really look forward to seeing you. But until then, please remember, Christ said, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give isn't like the peace that the world gives. So don't be troubled or afraid. May our God richly bless you. Please enjoy Michael W. Smith. Ancient words. Holy words, long preserved for our walk in this world. They resound with God's own heart. Oh, let the ancient words in Words of 